0: Find out which guests are being featured this week. Read our network press releases and read the blog posts from your favorite hosts. Go to iradioblog.com today. Powered by the Voice America Talk Radio Network. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com.
1: Welcome to P.I.'s Declassified, an inside look at the world of private investigators. Your host is Francie Kaler, a noted private investigator. Francie and her guests take you behind the scenes and into the genuine, sometimes gritty business of investigation. You'll hear stories from the trenches with plenty of surprises. Here's your host, Francie Kaler.
2: Hey there. Well, I thought since uh, today my guest is an author of a couple of books that... um The Blast in the Past this morning should be about a book. So my question this morning, that I'll give the answer at the end of the show, is who wrote How to Be a Detective, Criminal and G-Man Mastery? So we'll give you the answer later. Okay, so what is it that determines if someone who calls themselves or herself a PI is a professional investigator? My guest today, private investigator and author Roy McMahon, will help us understand the difference. Well, Roy's been a president, the president of a private investigation agency, R.J. McMahon and Associates, since 1991. He is a certified legal investigator, a certified criminal defense investigator, and a certified fraud examiner. He was... I can make a joke about that, Roy, but I won't. <laughs> he was a federal probation officer in New York and in Florida for 12 years. But after leaving government services, he spent 10 years as an instructor and a department chair for the Private Investigator Services Program at Florida City College, which has a actually a private investigator associate degree program, which is pretty exciting. Uh currently he's an instructor for an online private investigation school called S2 Institute. He graduated the Master of Arts in English and has credits toward his masters in criminal justice. And he specializes actually in financial investigative techniques, legal investigations for both civil criminal uh, uh, criminal and fraud investigation. And he's authored a couple of books. Fraud investigation, how to conduct white collar and fraud investigations, and the practical handbook for professional investigators, which of course is our topic today. What makes a professional investigator? Good morning, Roy.
3: Good morning, Francie. How are you?
2: I'm good and thanks so much for calling in and being with us today. You're calling from Florida, correct? Yes, I am. So, and I'm in California, so we're way across the continent. Absolutely. Roy, what made you decide to become a private investigator?
3: Uh, I left government service, as you mentioned, in 1990 and didn't really, other than uh, I was an English major in college and uh, kind of thought that I was going to be a teacher. Initially, I thought I was going to be a high school English teacher. Uh, and then when I was in grad school, I thought I was going to be a, uh, a possible uh, college instructor uh, once my career in government was over. So uh, I basically didn't have any other skill set, uh, and, and I had been a guest lecturer at this uh, school that had just started, which was had a certificate program majoring in private investigation. Um, so I went to speak with the individual that, that started that school the year before, and he, the school was growing so rapidly that he asked me to come on as an instructor um, while I was, you know, in the process of setting up my PI agency. Mm-hmm. So that that's how it all started.
2: Wow. And here you are. And here I am 20 <laughs> years later. Yes, that's amazing how that works, isn't it? It,
3: it is. And and it fulfilled my, my ambition of always wanting to teach Um as well uh, and i jumped right in on the uh... well as they say it started out as a certificate program and within that was uh... nineteen uh, october of 1990 is when i actually started teaching there uh... and then within two years they became accredited and uh... became a you know uh... a, a junior college or order offering a uh... Um, an associate's degree with a major in private investigation it was the only school at the time and possibly uh... it, it may still be uh the only school that that offers that degree.
2: Interesting. Interesting. Well, let's um let me let me ask you about Florida. As I know, uh we have to be licensed in California. I believe you do in Florida as well. That's correct. And what are the requirements to get a li- uh, license in Florida?
3: Initially, up until about 2 years ago, you had to either have 3 or more years of investigative experience, which they, you know, closely documented. Uh, and then you could become a full-license investigator. It's called a C-license here, and you have to work for an agency. Um, that's that's somebody that has an A-license. So it's a combination of two things. You have to work for an agency, and you have to have a C-license. Now there's an internship uh, that can be obtained, which is called a CC-license,
4: mm-hmm.
3: and basically uh, CC is someone that works for an agency, um and, and is under the supervision of a C licensee for two years. Now they they give you one year's credit for school. So, for instance, mm-hmm. students that were enrolled in uh, in the city college program while I was teaching there, um, if they got if, if they were enrolled in the school for at least a year, they got uh, a one year reduction in the two year requirement. So they would mm-hmm. only have to work for an agency for one year, which worked out very well for my students because. Um, a lot of them you know, were seeking internship with agencies after, uh, after the first six months or nine months or the first year that they'd been in school when I felt that they could offer something to the agency so that by the time they, they graduated from the program, they actually had you know completed the requirements for the internship and then could become a fully licensed investigator.
2: Yeah, that would be nice. We don't have that in California. We have similar requirements, 6,000 hours or three years full time, um, you do get credit for a, a year of uh, a year for relevant educational experience uh um uh, degrees et cetera. right uh, i should i shouldn't say experience really degrees and uh, but we don't have the different classifications of license here like you do
3: now just uh 2 years ago uh, and i think it went into effect uh like 6 months later they now require that uh, the intern undergo 40 hours of training um, before they're able to be fully licensed as a CC. Mm
2: -hmm. So they
3: can do that training, you know, in the classroom setting or online.
2: And what about law enforcement? Does that uh, give you the experience to get your license?
3: Yes, it does. That's how I was uh, able to get my C license uh, back in 1990. As a result of my experience in federal probation Uh, I was able to become, you know, a C licensee.
2: And then, uh, Rory, do you have a continuing education requirement in Florida?
3: No, we do not. It's something that I have been pushing for uh, since uh, since basically uh, 1994 when when I got involved in the uh, statewide association, the Florida Association of Licensed Investigators. Uh, They keep talking about it. Uh, The uh, Division of Licensing actually – had a proposal a couple of years ago to institute it, but uh, not on the books yet.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, and you know that I support continuing education as
3: well. Uh, as do I. I mean, we're, the two yeah. states that surround us, Georgia and Louisiana, both have CEU requirements, and uh, you know, if it's good enough for them, it's good. It should be good enough for the state of Florida.
2: Yeah, yeah, I know. It's yeah, it's a little scary that you can be a private investigator uh, in many states without having any additional continuing education, even though the laws change and all kinds of things change.
3: And it's further, you know, uh, aggravated down here because we have so many retirees. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you could be, uh, I'll pick on Massachusetts, you could be a Massachusetts trooper, you know, for 20, 25 years, retire to Florida, be eligible to become, you know, a fully licensed investigator, and basically have no idea about the the laws of Florida Mm -hmm. or, you know, how, how to actually, you know, be an investigator.
2: Yeah, you're right. And you know, so as we talked, um a couple of days ago, there's so many things that, uh, if, when you're in law enfor- enforcement are exactly the opposite when you're in the private sector. Exactly. So it's, yeah, it's, uh, it's problematic. But I guess we all learn trial by fire somehow. Uh,
3: in, in my instance, uh, I basically, you know, realized that you know, I might be proficient in in conducting criminal investigations, which I had done, you know, pretty much for my entire professional career, um, and I, I was familiar with, um, you know, the the, the courthouse and, and places to go do records research. So, you know, I could I could do backgrounds on people because uh, that was part of, of what I did as a probation officer. Uh, but in terms of you know doing insurance investigations or domestic investigations, you know, I, I had no knowledge. And it was kind of fortunate that uh, I got the on-the-job training as an instructor, uh, as I mentioned the other day. I mean, uh, basically for that first year, there were, there were very few books uh, that were available. I mean, basically, I, I think I, I read every book that Ralph Thomas uh, had in his collection right. and, and was using that as a basis for some of the uh, eight classes that I taught um, but I, I spent most of my time at the library researching. I, I, I was about three weeks ahead of my students. Yes, I was going to say. The you were probably I was say in the curriculum. curriculum.
2: Yeah. Well, and, and it's great to teach a class because don't you find that you always learn something yourself?
3: Uh, absolutely. Absolutely.
2: So let's define a private investigator. What, how would you describe uh, what a private investigator is and does?
3: Basically private investigators are in the information business. There there is uh our clients come to us because they want to find out something about someone or, or something and they, they they basically have no one else to turn to or they've exhausted all of the uh the options that they have, so they want us to, to find information. That information could be, you know, conducting a background on somebody they plan to hire. It it could be, you know, conducting an investigation to determine who stole uh from the company. Um, it could be you know uh, a woman coming to to us to find out you know if her husband is cheating on her or squandering marital assets mm-hmm. you know so we're we 're basically we 're in the information business
2: correct yeah, yeah, and there's so many specialties i mean there 's probably i don 't know probably fifty or more different kinds of specialties that nobody would ever think that that a private investigator was responsible for absolutely uh, many things too don't you find that um as law enforcement experiences cutbacks and uh, reduction in forces, many of those the things that law enforcement used to investigate now go to the private sector.
3: That, that's exactly right. As a matter of fact, when I got into the uh, the fraud arena, um, it, it was because of, in response to what was going on in the world, the Enrons and the Tycos and all the rest of that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I, I thought that that would be, I'd like to reinvent myself uh, every five years or so, uh, so I thought that that would be, you know, a good area to get into. And I, I found that, uh, one of my greatest referral sources was the Fort Lauderdale Police Department Economic Crime Unit. Uh, they basically did not investigate any crimes, uh, where the loss was over $50,000. And individuals or companies that would come to them, there was, there was three detectives in the unit, and I happen to be pretty good friends with one of them. Um, they would basically say, look, we, we don't have the resources to conduct this investigation. You know, I would suggest that you hire a private, investigate, a private investigator who could either, you know, conduct the investigation and then turn his or her findings over to, you know, law enforcement or, you know, a direct file with the state attorney's office right. or pursue the matter civilly. They could provide the ammunition that you could provide to an attorney with hopes that you could recover, you know, uh, as a result of the loss.
2: Yeah. This, this is a good place to take a break, Rory. Uh, That was Rory McMahon. We'll be back right after the break.
0: Talk,
1: talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. It's the largest association of its kind in the world. Cali's main focus is networking, training, and legislative advocacy. If you need a detective in California, contact Cali at cali-pi.org or call 1-800-350-CALI. For a national association, Francie's choice is the National Council of Investigation and Security Services, or NCISS. For over 35 years, the council's primary mission has been to represent its members before the United States Congress, and governmental agencies. Find the council at NCISS.org or call 1-800-445-8408. NCISS and Cali are great places to look for a qualified private investigator. Tell them you heard it from Francie on P.I.'s Declassified. You're listening to PI's Declassified with Francie Kaler. You can call into the program. We'll take questions and comments at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You can also email your question to Francie. Send it to f r a n c i e at @pisdeclassified.com. Now, here's Francie Kaler.
2: Roy, my man has been a private investigator for 20 years. Roy, you were you were talking about Running into cases where law enforcement um, referred them back to you because they didn't have the either the resources or the rules that they could follow an investigation. Correct. That's correct. You know, and I was telling you I had the same kind of a situation. Um, My associate and I had done a case in Southern California a number of years ago, and went and did the investigation, pulled all the pieces together, went and talked to the. Subject of the investigation, he confessed to all the bad deeds he was doing. We convinced him to go to the police department with us to file a report and uh, give his report to the police. And uh, because of the threshold, it was way over $100,000 at the time, and this was about 15 years ago, because of the threshold that the police department was operating with at the time, they couldn't take the report.
3: That's horrible. And That's
2: it awful. was very frustrating. Yeah. And But that happens as... As you and I both know, with identity theft situations often. Absolutely. Because people are so frustrated that their identity's been being stolen and now the laws require the local police department to take a report, but that's often just where it stays. It's just with a report number.
3: Right, and that's usually for, uh, for insurance purposes so that they can, you know, uh, get, get credit for the, the, the loss at least. But I, I think that primarily it's a jurisdiction issue where um you know a lot of times uh they're not sure where the information is stolen whether it be the internet or or theft from uh you know pocketbook or wallet um and 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 they just you know they they, they can't show clear jurisdiction so uh you know they by default uh the, the federal government uh gets involved and you know the federal government is pretty much focusing on you know other issues uh such as terrorism uh, so right, we, you know, right. I, in in Florida, for instance, in the Southern District of Florida, they have a, a five million dollar threshold on fraud. So uh, you you have a guy that's defrauded out of four million dollars uh, a company, um, you, you you can't get that prosecuted anywhere because it doesn't meet the federal threshold.
2: Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it it becomes incumbent on people to reach reach out to somebody that not only is a licensee. First of all, you have to be licensed to be an investigator in the majority, large majority of the states. And secondly, check their credentials to make sure that they have the background and experience that meets the type of case you have.
3: Absolutely. And and, and certainly, if, if nothing more than to make sure that they, you know, take all the steps to, to help ensure that their credit isn't ruined um, and, and to just, you know, walk them through the process and, uh, you know, kind of uh, help them get over that uh, that, that hurdle of, you know, uh, they, they've been violated, you know, by, by an individual that, that's taken away their identity.
2: Right, right, on the identity of the F cases. I'm looking at, uh, Roy, I'm looking at the law for California. Um, it's in the California Business and Pe- Professions Code, and it says that a private investigator um, agrees to accept employment, to furnish or agrees to make or makes, any investigation for the purpose of obtaining information with reference to crimes or wrongs done or threatened against the United States of America or any state or territory of the United States. And then this is the, the big one for us, I think, the identity habits, conduct, business, occupation, honesty, integrity, credibility, knowledge, trustworthiness, efficiency, loyalty, activity, movement, whereabouts, affiliations, associations, whereabouts, um, transactions, acts, reputation, or character of any person, and the location, disposition, or recovery of lost, stolen property, cause or responsibility for fires, and securing evidence be- to be used before ev- any court, board, officer, investigating committee. Does that compare pretty closely to Florida? Uh, we don't have anything that that you actually don't? lists that
3: uh, you know prepared, private investigators can can do that type of thing. That's absolutely amazing. Really? Yeah.
2: Interesting. Yeah, well, that's uh, that's what we go by here. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, Roy, what are the traits of a professional investigator that you think versus someone who wouldn't rise to that level of professionalism?
3: Well, I, I start out with uh, uh, professional people are, are members of professional associations, Uh you know, doctors are members of the uh, uh, the American Medical Association or, or, or other, you know, state and, and national associations. Attorneys are members of the American Bar Association or National Association of Criminal Defense Lawyers. Um, and, and they use that, you know, for several things, uh, you know, networking, and, and, and they use it to obtain training and, and what's going on in the field. I mean, that, that certainly would be number one. Uh, I have been an advocate of, of you know belonging to professional associations my entire professional career. I mean, starting back when I was a county probation officer in Westchester County, I was a member of, of the State Association of Probation and Parole Officers. Uh, when I was with the feds, I was a, a member and served on the board of the Federal Probation Officers Association. So, you know, first and foremost, if you're a professional, you're a member of a professional association. The second thing is... You know, you you need to enhance and and, and strengthen your, your ability to, to to do the work in the field. Uh, as I said, you know, I, I felt comfortable doing criminal investigations, uh, um, and and you know, I I, I felt that I had a, a decent background to you know to be able to do background investigations. But so I primarily focused on on learning how to do you know the wide variety of other investigations that you know I may be hired to perform. Mm-hmm. So uh you know it, it's a matter of you know uh, of learning about the industry and you know and the different wh- whatever the niche that you want to you know find yourself in or or specialize in you know and, and offer those services to the public. So I mean obviously with my background the the, the first niche that, that I tried to uh to become involved in was uh legal investigations. So um I I identified that there was a professional association that you know that that specialized in that the National Association of Legal Investigators Valley right. and uh I became a member of that association in in 1994 and and they have a a certification program certified legal investigator and you know uh, it's a very rigorous test it involves uh, writing a paper and and taking a written test and then doing oral um and in 1997 I flew out to San Diego uh so that I could take that test and Fortunately for me, it probably is a result of my teaching. Um, I, I, was able to pass that test the first time around. And, uh, you know, I became a CLI mm-hmm. and, you know, uh, part of, of, of the requirement to keep that CLI in place is that I undergo, you know, a certain amount of CEUs, continuing education units, every, uh, two or three years. Um, and then, you know, and a couple years think- later, uh, you know, a, after the, the fraud, business went went crazy with the Enrons and the Tycos, Uh, I decided that I I would like to also become involved in in fraud investigation and and working for, you know, corporate clients and companies that were defrauded. Mm -hmm. So I became a member of the Association of Certified Fraud Examiners um, and, again, became aware that they had a uh, certification, a certified fraud examiner. And... um, you know, once again, I, I took that test. I had they have a uh, program that you can buy where you study at home and you actually take the different uh, tests. and uh, in, in 2004, I was able to, uh, you know, to, to pass that test and became a, a certified fraud examiner. State of Florida also has a certification program, the Florida Certified Investigators, and um, you know, uh, again, I, I was able to, to become certified and and have to, you know, submit CEUs uh to them on a regular basis showing that I'm staying current in the field that I uh that you know, I'm I'm attending classes and and doing readings and and doing the things necessary in in order for me to, you know, offer professional services to, you know, to the public uh, and to the people that are hiring me.
2: Right. And and you're also a certified criminal defense investigator.
3: That's correct. Right. I do a lot of federal uh criminal cases and um you know, uh, I, I w- would like to, I, uh, at the time, uh, I wanted to fine-tune my, my training. I, I was not that familiar with, uh, with working in state court in Florida. Um, so, you know, uh, I, I joined uh, Brandon's group and, and you know, uh, have seen him speak on a number of occasions. And, you know, it, it just, uh, you know, it enhances your ability uh, to, to offer, you know, professional services to your clients.
2: And you're talking about Brandon Perone, who has a class called Unreasonable Doubt.
3: Right. That's correct.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I think it's pretty clear that your your clients or people that contact you to work on investigations for them will feel pretty comfortable that your certifications and your training and background will meet their needs. And I think that would be plugs right into our topic here of of what's the difference between. Just a regular investigator and a real professional investigator.
3: That's exactly right, and that's what I um, that's what I stress to my clients. I mean, I, I charge more money than than a lot of uh, other individuals. Uh, you know, we we have nine thousand licensed investigators in the state of Florida.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, so you know, a client, an attorney, or, or somebody says, "Why am I charging so much more than you know John Doe down the street?" And and that's the reason because you know I I have. You know, I'm one of 80, you know, certified legal investigators in the world. So uh, I have an expertise that very few, uh, you know, of my competitors right. have. So, you know, uh, number one, I have the skill to, to perform the task. And, you know, as a result of that training and expertise, uh, I deserve to be compensated more.
2: Well, and, you know, people don't contact a private investigator unless they have a problem. That's correct. and And we have to consider that all investigations are legal issues no matter how simple they may be they could end up in a legal arena absolutely okay so let's let's take another break here um, more to come with private investigator Rory Punkman
1: the internet's number 1 talk station number 1 talk station voiceamerica.com NCISS and Cali are great places to look for a qualified private investigator. Tell them you heard it from Francie on PIs Declassified.
0: IRB Search is simply the best online data provider for locating people, businesses, and assets. IRB Search gives you strength and numbers. With one click, you can access billions of records. Even with partial information on your subject, IRB Search instantly returns current and past addresses, phone numbers, and more. Call IRB Search today at one 800 447 2112 to sign up. Mention PI's Declassified, and you'll receive a two-week trial of 100 free searches to get started. Call one 800-447-2112 to find out why IRB search is simply the best step into the doorway to conscious choice greater health and well-being attain the balance that you've been seeking tune in and turn on 1111 Talk radio feed the mind embrace positively release the tension step out of fear Host Simran Singh will help you broaden your mind and open your heart toward a greater understanding of how to take charge of your life. Eleven Eleven Talk Radio is here every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time, on Seventh Wave Network. Eleven Eleven Talk Radio, because shift happens.
1: News, News your voice counts, call toll-free 1-866-472-5787, 1-866-472-5787, voiceamerica.com. You're listening to P.I.'s Declassified with Francie Kaler. You can call into the program. We'll take questions and comments at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You can also email your question to Francie. Send it to francie at pisdeclassified.com. Now, here's Francie Kaler.
2: Private investigator, author, and teacher Rory McMahon is my guest today. And we were just talking about, um, professionalism versus just being a regular old investigator. And, uh, I just wanted to ask you, Roy, how many women um, become PIs, do you think, a percentage of of the number of people that you train?
3: Well, it, when I first started teaching in 1991, I, I would say that the class was, you know, there was less than 20% of, of the class was female. Um, by the time that, that I finished actually um, being the program chair in, in uh, the start of 1998, I would say the ratio was... was Sixty forty, sixty percent male, forty percent female, and growing. I, I was noticing a lot more women that were getting into into the field at, at that point in time, and then um, I, I taught there, uh, taught occasional classes after that up until like uh, two thousand. Um, so I, I saw the trend rising, and uh, I, I couldn't tell you what's going on there since then. But I, I mean, attending the different conferences. Uh, that, that, that I attend around the country, you know, I, I, I see uh, an increasing number of, of females that are, that are involved in the industry, and, and it's a very welcome, you know, sight.
2: And how do women do in the investigation business? Uh,
3: uh, unbelievably well. Uh, the, uh, uh, you know, there, there's basically, uh, as far as I'm concerned, there's three areas uh, of specialty that uh, investigators need. Uh, the first one uh, would be, and, you know, and it, it all revolves around obtaining information about people. The first one would be interviewing. Obviously, you, you can interview the subject or or the people that know the subject and find out information about an individual. You can do research, whether it be you know courthouse or, or records or online, and find out information about an individual or a company. Or you can do surveillance um, and, and actually follow the person. Uh, or his associates, and then, you know, basically, you know, form impressions based upon that. Uh, of those three specialty areas, women excel in two out of the three. That would obviously be the court out, courthouse research. Um, they have that attention to detail uh, that, for the most part, men don't have. Now, I consider myself to be, uh, you know, uh, an expert uh, courthouse researcher, but uh, someone we were just talking about, Harriet Gold, uh, gave a presentation at the Valley Conference two weeks ago, uh, and, and she is an incredible courthouse researcher and, and has that reputation around the country. Um, well, and, that's and a it's great that, recommendation that for Harriet. That's that, great. Uh, you, you know that that's really needed for that. And the other thing is is interviewing. I mean, uh, it, it it it's a lot less threatening for both male and females um, if, if a woman is conducting an interview as opposed to to a male. You know, it's just uh, Less disarming for a man, you know. If I'm coming up and is asking him questions, uh, you know, uh, about sexual things or, or that, you know, they're going to be you're uh, very threatened by that. But you know, they'll have that same conversation with a woman without even thinking about it.
2: Sure, and and also just uh, if you know if somebody's knocking on your door and they're a private investigator, uh, it's much less threatening if it's a female rather than a male. Absolutely. In this in this era. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Right. And. There's a real need for uh, those people of of ethnic origins to get in the private investigation business, isn't it?
3: Absolutely. You can't operate in South Florida uh, without having uh, a Spanish-speaking investigator, number one, um, or a a Creole-speaking investigator, number two, to to service the Haitian community, uh, you know, which continues to grow down here.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I see that, too, and uh, there's just a very, very low percentage really, of uh, any ethnic origins that I've seen across the country.
3: Really? Yeah. I know it, it's very difficult. I, ha- I have one guy that, uh, that, that I use that, that uh, is of Haitian descent that, that does speak Creole, but a lot of them, uh, including some of my former students, get snapped up by law enforcement agencies because, you know, they, they obviously have that same need. Right, um, right. You know, so they become attracted to, uh, to, you know, to go to work for them as opposed to the private industry.
2: Well, Roy, when you recommend one of your students to, um, to get them to intern with a company, what kinds of things are you looking for to make your recommendation?
3: As I told my students, the, you know, in the classroom, uh, number one, I, I was a prospective employer because uh, I had my agency, which was located right there at the school, and I said, I'm going to hire the students that, that are, number one, are, are, you know, here every day on time and, you know, and attentive, and, and perform well, you know, up to the best of their ability, um, and that demonstrate, you know, during doing the task that they're assigned, that, you know, that they exceed uh, what what's expected of them. So, and I, I said the same thing. I get calls from, from friends and associates that have agencies, you know, around the state. And, mm-hmm. and you know, I'm not going to recommend somebody that, you know, cuts classes or, you know, doesn't perform up to what I believe, you know, was their full potential. Sure. So, you know, uh, if they were an A student, you know uh, that that pretty much told me that you know that that they were very interested in the in the profession and uh, and they were working hard at it. And you know, if they if they had the other skills, uh, you know, that I felt were needed, then you know uh, they were the the first ones that I would recommend or the first ones that I would consider hiring for my agency.
2: And and what do you look for, Roy, when you hire? Um, I'm sure you periodically need to hire another private investigator uh... subcontract maybe uh... in another location or another state what do you look for when you
3: hire a PI
2: yourself uh... uh
3: again i i, I the, my first thing is i go to uh... uh... i go to the, the uh... the membership list of of my professional associations okay uh... or I, I, if i know an individual in that area uh... Um, and, and you know maybe they're not as close as as, as what i need for the assignment I will call that individual and get a, you know, word-of-mouth recommendation. You know, I'm not going to the Yellow Pages and, and you know, picking right. out John Doe uh, to do an investigation for me or, or refer my client, uh, you know, w- without knowing that that person can perform the task that, that's needed. I mean, that's a reflection back on me. If I send my client to, you know, uh, to, to somebody that's in Massachusetts, uh uh, you know, to conduct an investigation and, and, you know, the person that I refer him to, uh, you know, doesn't do a good job that, you know, that reflects negatively on me. Sure. So I, I want to make sure that, you know, uh, I'm referring them to or hiring, you know, somebody myself that, that can, can do the job so that when I get the results and then, you know, send that on to my client that, you know, I'm not going to be embarrassed by, you know, uh, uh, that person not doing, you know, their job as well as they should.
2: Sure, sure. Well, tell me about your most unusual student.
3: Okay, that, that's a really easy one. Uh, shortly after I started teaching there, probably, you know, in 92, 93, I was approached by the president and owner of the college, a guy by the name of C.M. Fike, who has since passed, um, and he said, you know, is there any way that you could have a blind student in your program? And I said, absolutely not. I mean, surveillance is one of our, our you know, primary right. jobs that, that we perform. Uh, and he came back to me about six months later, and he, the same question. Rory, is there, is there any way that, you know, you could have, you know, do something with a blind student? I said, no. I mean, you know, I just don't see any way around the whole surveillance thing. So uh, the third, six months later, he came back to me, and he didn't ask me the question this time. He said, Rory, we are accepting the application of a blind student. <laughs>
2: he's
3: he's threatening to file a lawsuit if we don't let him into this program.
2: Uh-huh.
3: So, uh huh. So I, you know, I saw the handwriting on the wall. I said, uh, you know, reluctantly, uh, okay, you know, see him. I'll I'll uh, I'll see what I can do. I'll try and design something for him. Uh, well, then the first day of class, in, in walks Adam Shabel with his, uh, you know, seeing eye dog uh, Gamay, um, and and for the next. Uh, you know, uh, two years, uh, he, he was a fixture in my classroom. And uh, I'm telling you, he, he was one of the most amazing people that you would ever meet in your life. Uh, he was a young kid. Um, and he, he did not see his, you know, being blind was not a handicap as far as he, he was concerned. It was just a slight obstacle that needed to be overcome. I mean, this is a guy who, who in his spare time, plays beeper softball. Uh, you know, he, he, he's out there and, and, and the ball actually beeps so that they know where to swing at and, really? and that type of thing. A, a, after he finished the program, he also, uh, we, took classes to fly an airplane and, and actually, uh, petitioned the FAA to, to become a licensed pilot, which, which they declined, uh, based on the fact that he was blind. He said, you know, I, people fly by instruments when they can't see. What's the difference? They said, no, this is a little, uh, but, you know, he had that type of attitude. There isn't anything that, that he felt that, that he couldn't do. And obviously, he, I mean, he sat in the classroom and he, he typed the uh, my lectures, you know, uh, during the class. Um, uh, and just just a great guy and uh, a, a straight-A student. I mean, just, you know, always asking questions, always looking, you know, uh, you know to find out everything that he possibly could on any given subject. And he even, uh, a very persuasive individual, he even convinced me when we came to the surveillance component, uh, which is 80 hours, and a lot of that time was spent, you know, outside the classroom. They were doing following cars and, and shooting video, usually of me jogging or, or doing something, and then we would analyze the videotape uh, when we got back to the school. So he came to me and he goes, Rory, you know, I, 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 I want to participate in the surveillance class, and I have an idea how I can do that. And, uh, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna have, you know, one of my friends is gonna be with me and, uh, you know, I'm gonna point the camera. He's gonna tell me, you know, like three o'clock or twelve o'clock or six o'clock.
4: Uh-huh. And,
3: you know, I think I'll, I think I'll be able to do it. So I, you know, I'm like, oh gee, Adam, I don't know. All right, let's give it a try. So, uh, we went out and, you know, uh, at, at the end of the session came back in and, you know, uh, had two or three students pop in their videotapes and, you know, we looked at it and I critiqued it. You know, I mean obviously I'm looking for me to be in or whoever the subject is to be in the center of the of the frame. Uh so we pop in Adam's tape and, and we get a lot of pictures of the ground, uh, the sky, <laughs> the bushes, uh you know, not many of me, you know, running around the track. But uh, of and Adam course you have with that nice with try, right. I commend your uh, your ambition, but uh, uh no we're you're gonna get back to, to what it is that I feel could be your niche in this industry and that's you know, obviously you database searches.
2: Exactly. So, uh, but you, you, know, you, so you would that, have that same, uh, you know, the the ground, the sky, the inside of the vehicle with regular students that w- that had eyes. Uh, well, absolutely. <laughs> You're
3: absolutely correct. And they're zooming in, zooming out, you know, every every 30 seconds. But, uh, you know, I, I, I just knew that, you know, his, his niche had to be, you know, a database if he was going to, you know, uh, be a success in this industry. And in fact, he, you know, well, first of all, he went on to not only get, get the associates at City College, he went on and got a, got a bachelor's and then a master's. Uh, but his niche is working with, um, the, you know, the People with Disabilities Act, either for attorneys or, or companies or whatnot. Uh, I mean, he's the perfect guy, you know, uh, a lawsuit's filed that, you know, there isn't a ramp that's necessary or, or, mm-hmm. or something. And then he could actually go in and, and, you know, and work the case himself and, and see, you know, if, if what the, uh, what, the, what the client of the law firm was, was saying was correct, and then, you know, help the attorney in, in preparation of, uh, presenting the, the case to court.
2: So he so, went uh, ahead. Qualified I mean, it for worked out license?
3: perfectly, and, you know, my initial reluctance, uh, uh, I'm glad that, you know, he overcame that.
2: Yeah, he, he qualified for his license and got his license? Absolutely. Yeah. What an inspiration.
3: I thought so. I, I used that as an inspiration, not only for that class that he was in, but, you know, for, for classes long after that.
2: Has anybody ever written an article about him, or has he written yes, an article? Yes, they did.
3: Yes, they did. The local paper, the Sun Sentinel, uh, on, on a couple of occasions. Uh, you know, I don't know if it was while he was in school or after. You know, did did write articles about him.
2: That is a great story. Yeah, that's just a great story. Thanks for sharing that. Well, we need to take another break. More to come from private investigator Rory McLean. Uh, just be back in a moment.
1: NCISS and Cali are great places to look for a qualified private investigator. Tell them you heard it from Francie on PI's Declassified.
0: Listen to the Stars of PR with Cindy R. every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time here on News Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com.
4: at 8 a.m. Pacific for the Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Basile, radio to thrive by.
1: Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to PIs Declassified with Francie Kaler. You can call into the program. We'll take questions and comments at 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. You can also email your question to Francie. Send it to F R A N C I E at PIsDeclassified.com. Now, here's Francie Kaler. Well,
2: it's time for the answer to our blast in the past moment. And then we'll get back to today's guest, Roy McMahon. So the question was, the beginning of the show, who wrote How to Be a Detective? Criminal and G-Man Mastery. So the author was a guy named Arthur H. Farrar, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. F-A-R-R-A-R. The book was published in 1943, and as Roy told me on the break, uh, that was before there were g men so we don't know how that came about. And it was sixty pages, sixty-one pages long, and published in New York. And so, um, this can be found on the PI Museum's website, www.piMuseum.com. So, Roy, thank you for sharing your knowledge and expertise with us. What else would you like people to know who might be thinking that they would like to become a private investigator?
3: First of all, it's my pleasure to, to be on the show, and thanks for inviting me. Um, you know, there was a wide variety. I, I, I had people that were in my class. One one guy was a retired ship captain. I, I mean, you know, what, what sparked his interest? He, he just, you know, it's probably because people get, you know, they, they they read books and that have private investigators, or they see movies, or the you know the Rockford Files and that kind of, you know, it, it, it you know it looks like what it is. It's a it's a fascinating field uh, mm-hmm. uh, for those of us that that work in it, but. You know, uh, the first day of class, I would go around the room and ask, you know, why the students were in, in, in you know, in the in the program, and you know, some it was, you know, uh, I have a boring job, you know, uh, I work as a mechanic or whatever it was, and you know, this seemed, you know, more exciting. I want to get an education, and you know, out of the, all the different, you know, courses being offered, this sounded like the the most appealing one, and other, uh, a lot of others had had the, like a unique story. I remember one one of the women in the class. Uh, you know, she was adopted, and and you know, she was intent on on finding you know her her real father, and conducted an investigation and and you know and actually found him and and you know was reunited and it was you know a very positive experience and you know her friend said boy you know that was amazing that you were able to accomplish that and you know maybe you should look into doing it you know as as a career and you know that's what sparked her. I had another one that I was telling you about. Couple days ago, Celia, um, who who was you know in in her late 40s or early 50s when when she started the program, had not been in in you know in a classroom setting for many years, and you know at the end of the first class was ready to drop out. I think she was a little discouraged that she was the oldest one in the classroom at the time, um, and she just you know didn't feel that that, that she could do it but you know it was something that that always interested her and you know she thought that she, you know she could you know uh be really good at it mm-hmm. um and i persuaded her to you know give it at least a couple of weeks if not for the whole you know first class that we were uh, that we were involved in and she did and she became you know one of my best students was a, a straight a student had a 40 average at the end of 2 years uh and and went on to specialize in locates um you know, particularly in in the missing air, she would be hired by banks to, to find people, and, and and she just became an you know an overwhelming success at, at being able to to do this, and a lot of it was was due to her you know ability to you know talk to people on the telephone and convince them to you know give information you know about about different things. She would contact family members and whatnot. So uh, a, a lot of times it's it's something that happens in their personal life that that kind of leads them you know to right. conduct some sort of an investigation, and then you know uh they they want to turn that into into a career,
2: yeah, and don't you th- don't you think that age does help too the more the more seasoning you have the um more you're able to maybe um uh, understand the ins and outs of human nature and talk to people and all of those things that that we really depend on as skills as private investigators
3: absolutely i and and I used to tell this to to the students that uh you know, whatever experience, whatever background they they had, that they could draw upon that and, and use that. Number one, you know, an important component of, of being an investigator is understanding people and how they think. Um, and and certainly, you know, you you can use your your own life experiences to help you you know uh, understand that. And and you know, and it absolutely helps you to uh, to be a better investigator. The more experience in life that you
2: have. Right, yeah, because there's so many things you can draw on right um, you 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 drew on your law enforcement experience, my experience I came out of retail Wow, but at the same time, I spent all my time interviewing people because I was in a um retail management position. I see so i was I had several stores, so I was always interviewing people for something or another, either to right. hire them right. or to terminate them or to find out what was wrong or you know something, audit right. them. So that was directly transferable. So there's many, many transferable skills. Yes. If you have the desire and the tenacity to go through the process. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Roy, thank you so much. You've been a delightful guest. You have so much knowledge, and um, I just encourage anybody who might be listening that is thinking about um, getting into the private investigation business to do your research regarding um, vocational programs, college programs. The Florida City College one is, a, is an excellent one. Um, talk to people that are in the field. If you have questions, you can certainly send them to me at Francie at and I'd be happy to refer you to somebody in your area if you're not in California. So um, thank you again, Roy. You've been uh, just wonderful.
3: You're quite welcome. It's been my pleasure.
2: Uh, let me just uh, shout out uh, for the annual conference of the California Association of Licensed Investigators, which is being held in Reno, Nevada this week, this weekend at the Grand Sierra Hotel. It starts tomorrow, June 23rd. Uh, if you're in the area, stop by and say hello. Some of the show's sponsors will be there. PI Museum, one of the sponsors, will be launching their new PI Museum on Wheels and will be available to view in the parking lot uh, at the Grand Sierra Hotel. IRB Search, PI Magazine, and Merlin Information Services are all exhibitors as well. Joining us next week will be private investigator and forensic expert Dean Beers with his book, Practical Investigation, A Map to Finding Facts. And then on July 7th, I'll be, the following week, I'll be featuring an unusual case where California private investigator Denise Savastano will talk about her own father's murder and the investigation that now has become a cold case. So tune in again next week as we declassify more real stories from real investigators. It's PIs Declassified. I'm Francie Kaler, and thanks for listening.